Hey folks, welcome back to Truth in a Thousand Words or Less. This is your Truth in a Thousand Words or Less for Thursday, January 21st. Uh, welcome to 2021, everyone. It's been crazy. Um, but uh, this week I decided to, uh, it, it was time to take a turn off of politics. I think we've all had enough of it for a little bit. And, um, and so uh, this week I wanted to turn my angst uh, to a completely different topic. Uh, and that is college football. I've never been all that big a fan uh, of college football, uh, but particularly since uh, college football has gone to the college uh, playoff system in which uh, they, you know, the top four teams make it and then the four teams play off. Um, I just, I just can't stand it. Uh, and this week's truth in a thousand words or less is a little bit of why. Uh, and so I bring you Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, repeat. So how many of you out there watched the national championship college football game between Alabama and Ohio State last Monday night? <laughs> yeah, me neither. I absolutely love me some football, but I cannot stand to watch the college game. Sure, you can rack it up to the fact that my alma mater, Colgate University, barely even has a Division I football team, so much so that their once annual clash with nearby Syracuse was eliminated in recent years as a pure case of existential mercy when the drubbing simply began to get way too out of hand. But my sports resentment and envy is not what is really at play here. No, the reason I can't stand to watch college football is that the playoff system and competitive balance are entirely broken, providing an eerie resemblance to the economic disparity that is mirrored in our society at large. So just why do I hate college football so much? Well, for starters, I, like many people not located in the states of Alabama, South Carolina, and Ohio, am sick and tired of seeing the same three teams vie for a national championship. And to be honest, you could really make the case that it actually comes down to just Clemson and Alabama. Since college football moved to the current four-team playoff system in 2014, Alabama and Clemson have each made it to the Final Four every year but one leaving only two other spots open for other possible contenders. And in those seven years, either Alabama or Clemson has won the national championship five times with last year's victory by LSU and Ohio State's win in 2014 being the lone exceptions. In fact, Alabama and Clemson have faced each other in the national championship game an astounding three times in just seven years. So while these two schools have each appeared in the playoffs six times in seven years, with Ohio State and Oklahoma appearing four times and Notre Dame twice, nobody else has made it more than once. The only other teams to have even won a semifinal game in the playoff series are Georgia, LSU, and Oregon. In other words, despite the fact that there are 130 teams in Division I football, only two or three teams really have a reasonable shot at winning at all. And certainly not my beloved Colgate. And that competitive imbalance might be hugely entertaining for the fans of those three schools. But for the rest of us, college football has simply devolved into an uninspiring inevitability. Now, don't get me wrong. I do not blame the schools at the top for making it this way. Of course, I hate Alabama coaches, uh, Nick Saban's creepy smile, or lack thereof, and his absolute lack of joy even when winning. But that's not what impacts the sport's watchability. No, these coaches are hired to win games, and that is what they do. I cannot blame them for simply being better at their job than anyone else. The problem is that the system itself is horribly flawed. They just take advantage of it better than anyone else. The first glaring disparity in college football, of course, arises from money. 
And let's face it, money begets more money. In 2020, Alabama spent a whopping $56.1 million on its football program, affording the school top-notch facilities and coaches. Meanwhile, back in my state of Colorado, the University of Colorado allocated $18.4 million to its program. Some may say even that number is way too high, but in the world of big-time college athletics, that just isn't going to get it done. If you were a top college recruit and could go anywhere you want, would you go to the school with the shiny new facilities and outstanding coaches, or the ones spending a third of that budget on theirs? Okay, that was obviously a stupid question. The NFL, like many other professional sports leagues, has instituted a salary cap that serves to standardize the spending by each team and thus provide for more competitive balance. In college football, meanwhile, it's the old wild, wild west, where the phrase just seems to be, spend them if you got them. Moreover, that success only tends to perpetuate more success. If you've seen my son play football, or any sport really, you know he isn't getting an athletic scholarship anytime soon. And don't even mention my daughter, who hates all things competitive, just as a prima facie principle. But if he was a five-star college recruit, you damn well better believe I would want him to play for Alabama or Clemson. While Saban is reported to be a remarkable recruiter, he doesn't even need to be. My guess is that he could walk through many of these families' doors, hand them the letter of intent, and say, I'm Nick Saban. Want to play for Alabama? Sign this. And at least half of them would sign it on the spot. After all, we all know what these kids really want, a chance to play in the NFL. And who gives them a better shot at doing so than Clemson, Alabama, or Ohio State? As such, these programs continue to amass talent that other schools simply cannot keep up with. The result is a competitive advantage that is self-perpetuating, widening the gap between the haves and have-nots with each and every championship season. Of course, in the NFL, there is a draft that gives the top picks to the teams that did worse the previous season. This helps bad teams get better and brings powerhouses back to the field. This allows for greater parity and competitive balance, which in turn makes for far more intriguing matchups throughout the season. But isn't that what someone would would declare as socialist? Giving handouts to those who have performed poorly in the past and compromising those who have achieved success. College football is more like free market capitalism, where there is no attempt at creating an even playing field. Some would argue that the former rewards mediocrity, that it doesn't incentivize success. But how does starting a season already knowing you have no chance to win a championship motivate someone? Likewise, how does being bored into socioeconomic misfortune give you hope to become your best self? What pushes people to fully develop their talents is the belief that they have a shot just like everyone else. But far too often, we have smart young kids sitting on the sidelines knowing that they never really had a chance. And while that competitive imbalance might be just fine if you're already sitting on top, it only serves to crush the spirits of those who would aspire to be something more. All right, all right. I know what you're saying. Somehow or another, I turn football into uh, yet another socioeconomic diatribe. Uh, you're probably right. Um, but that, in some essence, is what I hope truth in a thousand words does best, which is to shed uh, a somewhat different, uh, intriguing light on uh, the same old subjects. If you agree with that sentiment, 
and you like what you hear, pass it on. This uh, We are trying to spread it on, as some of you may know. Um, Carpe effing diem, a compendium of truth in a thousand words or less, is set to hit uh, bookshelves later this year. Um, and and um, in support of that, we are trying to put out the word as much as possible. So send it to everybody you like. Shoot, send it to people you don't like. Um, and uh, and hopefully we can grow this thing into a fairly large audience and uh, and have it take off. Thanks as always for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week uh, with another edition of Truth in a Thousand Words or Less. Until then, thank you for listening. Have a great rest of your week. Love and light to all of you. Peace.